The stories of some of the world's greatest women unfold here. I am Annette Comer, your host, and each week, the untold secrets of success, strength, and boldness of today's powerful women are revealed. This woman immigrated from Chile, and travel was a natural part of her growing up. Her father was a strong, driven force, and she came to believe she could also be a strong achiever. However, when she came to the U.S., she was separated from her father for three and a half years due to immigration, and her mother became her role model, a role model that would often settle. But she was smart and learned quickly. And after college, she went to work for a travel agency and having already traveled so much herself, excelled in the company. In 1994, she struck out on her own. And today she operates an award-winning world-class travel agency that specializes in destination weddings and honeymoons. She is an expert at creating moments that her clients remember for a lifetime. It is my pleasure to introduce you to Jennifer Donchez. Hi, Jennifer. Thank you for joining me today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It is such an honor to be here. You have so much wisdom and we have so much to discuss. I'm just going to jump right on in. Hope that's okay. That's fine. So women often let others define who they are. And you told me allowing others to do this can create a crisis. How does this crisis often show up, Jennifer? Well, I think women tend to please. They're pleasers and um, they're easily influenced Sometimes, you know, it's the pull of being a mother, a wife, um, not really having that identity, but making everybody feel happy. And at the end of the day, you kind of feel a little left out lost. Um, Nobody wants to be a martyr. Nobody makes dinner for everybody else and then sits down and then doesn't eat. So I think it's real important to find your own purpose beyond uh, being a wife, a mother, a sister, a friend. And finding what really drives you and makes you feel that inner fulfillment. Yeah. And when women don't do that, what kind of crisis mode do they get into? Does it show up as health challenges? Does it show up as being out of sync with who they are? What does that show up like? Um, I, I think it's probably the root of a lot of really bad behaviors, whether that's, you know, being stressed, not sleeping well. Um, Maybe overeating, over drinking, not taking care of yourself, not exercising, not being in good relationships, um, not being happy. And I I think that you have to kind of listen to that inner voice that you have or you're going to be taking it out in other ways. And then it is going to create a crisis, isn't it? Either in a relationship, a health, a money crisis, some kind of crisis. Absolutely. So you have learned to not be afraid to ask for what you want. So have you found there is a trick on how to ask firmly and powerfully so that the ask is not perceived as overbearing? It kind of depends on what you're asking for. In business, um, I I believe in asking for what's fair and um, understanding that there's a really great balance in relationships. But what I've learned from men is that they kind of leverage their relationships and women kind of have that empathetic feel of like, well, I don't want to ask too much. I don't want to burden too much. But the ask is real important. If you don't ask, you will never know. And as long as I think you do it with grace and you're not, you know, demanding, um, I've had so many opportunities come by because I just asked. 
And in that ask space, for me, I have found that um, a smile with an ask or, or tone of voice can make a big difference. Have you found the same? Absolutely. And, you know, not to get annoyed afterwards either is good too, because you, you, you never, you never know um, what's going to happen. So, you know, I don't think you can put all of your apples into one basket, so to say, if the ask comes back, so you're disappointed, but um, you would be surprised of, you know, just asking what that, that can do. And in, in return, I've learned as well that when people ask me a question, the best thing to do is answer with a question. Sometimes why do you ask um, that you can, put your foot in your mouth many times if you don't know why they're asking, you know, something. So why do you ask is uh, something that I often say. Uh, my my team knows that I'm going to say that as well. Why do you ask? <laughs> well, and, and that also gives you a pause to think about how you want to answer whatever question was asked, doesn't it? It buys you a few minutes of time. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Do, do you think, I'm going to keep, I'm going to stay in this space a little bit more because I want to, I think there's some more goody here. Do you feel like that women often don't ask because they make assumptions about what they'll get? Yes. I, I think, or they feel like they're putting somebody out or that they don't deserve it. Um, I was in a, a negotiating meeting and found out that another company had received some marketing funds and that company sold far less than what my business sold. And I remember coming home, telling my husband that I don't know if I can do this and be the leader I want to be because I said, I'm not part of the boys club. I'm, I, I don't smoke cigars. I don't hang out in bars. I don't golf and I'll never be part of that crew. And, um, I, I got myself like in this tizzy that I, I thought maybe I wasn't the right leader for my business if I couldn't even make that ask. And my husband turned around and bought me a set of tailor-made pink golf clubs and um, like 20 lessons with a PGA pro. And he said, I don't want you hanging out in bars. I don't want you smoking cigars, but you can golf. Let's, let's get you some golf lessons. And he said, and you know what? You ask so graciously when you ask. You have so much more to bring to the table than what the other guys who are smoking, you know, cigars and being crude or, you know, you have so much more. So just ask. And that was a lesson I learned years ago. And, you know, I've made some really great relationships because I also feel very responsible once I've asked and I've gotten something. There's and I think that that's what women take away even more so. We feel like we are now indebted because we've been given something. So we want to prove and prove and overprove and overprove. And I think that that's why my business has been able to flourish because of the loyalty and the integrity that we have, that when we make that ask, they know if, if she's coming around for that ask, she's going to do something with it. So not only do you have to make the ask, but you have to follow through with what you say you're going to do, which I think is, is key. Yeah, and I think it's a good point because you don't want to feel like you're just asking to prove a point. Right. That's also dangerous in lots of ways right. for credibility, for sure. So you told me that you see many advantages women have that they do not use. Can you share a couple of what advantages we might not be using? I think we're relationship builders. And I, I think that we truly have compassion for um people and for our staff, our team, you know, our families, um, 
you know, we've given birth, we've had children, many of us, um, you know, we're, we're daughters, we're sisters, we're friends. And that feeling that we have with our relationships is very important. It's not a number. It's not, um, it's not money. And so when we use our empathy, when we use our compassion, our heart, I think we actually lead from a place of service. We lead from a place to do good, to help our, our colleagues, our, you know, it's not just about the money and the business that comes with it. Because when you actually are leading with compassion, you have a team that's willing to stand up. You know, it, it, you have to do what's right for your customer, but studies have shown that if you do, if you have, if everything's created equal and it's 50, 50 and you say, what our company motto is, our clients are everything without them, we're nothing. And that's inside our office. But my team has to feel that they're more important by 51 or 52% <laughs> than what our customers feel. And when they feel that way, they're willing to go above and beyond, not only for our customers, but also for the company. And that culture, I think, is demonstrated by knowing getting to know the people that are around you um, and really truly investing in time spent with them and understanding how they feel about the world. We are so busy every day that that, you know, sometimes you don't understand when a person comes in and they're in a bad mood, but when you really know them, it, it should ask, you should ask yourself like what, what's going on. And I've had, I have had so many young millennials who have worked for me and that have stayed with me and my company for such a long time. And it's not that they feel that VIP is their family. They feel that we care. And I think that especially during COVID, when um, people are being laid off left and right, um, it's so important for your employees and your team to know that you truly care about them. So, and I think that's brilliant advice as well. But I'm going to I'm going to stay in this space for a second. I'm going to take it a little different direction. So, in this advantage space, I want to talk to you and get your perspective on something that women often see as a disadvantage that could be an advantage. And I'll give you an example of what I'm thinking. So, for you, Jennifer, you're you're a very attractive woman. So, in some spaces, women can say, "Well, that's," and you may think at times that really works against me because they don't take me seriously. But then in other spaces, it could be to your advantage because it could get the door open because we are a society that's very image-based. And the same way with the color of a woman's skin. She could find that as an African-American, she may be thinking that this is the things are already stacked against her, but she might turn that into an advantage in some fashion. So I'd just be curious as to what your perspective is on advantages of that type that maybe we women don't even recognize can be used to an advantage. I never liked the term blonde. You know, that made it seem like um, I might be a little ditzy, an airhead, um, bubblehead. But because I didn't like that, I went out of my way to make sure I was smart. And um, so nobody would ever refer to me as, you know, blonde or, you know, a ditzy. Um, I do know that we are a visual society and I've appreciated the opportunities that have come my way. I've been able to do the news for years now where it's visual. I'm on camera and I am quite aware that a lot of it had to do with the way that I initially looked. 
when I first met, you know, the people at Fox News and even last night I did NBC. So you have to take that as, yes, that'll get you in the door, but there's got to be more substance behind it. And um, my father always taught me charm. And charm is an interesting thing. I actually had to go to like a ladies etiquette school because he was so, so like strict about having good posture and having manners. And he brought me around to a lot of other executives when I was a little girl because he was an import exporter and I would travel with him and I had to be a lady. And I think that that has carried me very far in life because I knew that if I approached a situation as a lady, I would be treated differently in a good way, respectfully. So um, it can be used to our advantage. And charm is, you know, asking questions and, you know, being kind and considerate and, it's not about sitting quietly by yourself in a corner and not being open. Charm is very, it, it's something we don't teach today. We would be like, oh, that's, no, we can't, we can't do that. But it was, um, it was something that I think got me to a point where I felt self-confident as a young adult speaking to executives in my 20s, making, you know, contracts with big corporations to do their their airline reservations because I had been exposed at a young age to, you know, sitting like a lady, interjecting in valid conversation, asking good questions. And self-confidence is something that I think women have to work on. But when you feel self-confident about something and you know in your heart and in your mind what you're talking about, there is no stopping a woman, really, because people are just sometimes in awe of, wow, she knows what she's talking about. Wow, I'll trust her. And I think in the space that I was in for so many years, I was the only female on advisory boards and I I had all eyes on me, not by what I looked like, but by how I was able to say and articulate things um, very differently than a man, very differently. Well, and and you brought up an excellent point because I think that um, whether you're pretty, not pretty, fat, skinny, whatever, you know, hair sticks up, beautifully shaped, whatever it is, that confidence and competence will win out every time. That they will, the, the initial looks may turn people uh, eye towards you or it may turn someone's eye away from you, but it will always come back and you'll get their attention if you show up with confidence and competence. That's been my experience anyway. I totally agree. have a responsibility to create an environment in which women employees can thrive. From your perspective, what are the key things this environment must include? I believe authenticity. You have to know your people, but you have to also be who you are too. And and for me, I make mistakes. Obviously, we all do, but I am the first one to say I've I've made a mistake. Um, But my door is open So I think the communication has to be there. Um, I will never have somebody in my team do something I wasn't willing to do. 
or I'm not willing to do. Leading by example. Um, and, you know, they know I'm a hard worker. And so they their responsibility is to be a hard worker, too. And I make it really clear from the very beginning. I think that's I think Shakespeare said that the uh, root of all sorrow lies in unfulfilled expectations. And I, I think if you're too Pollyanna, you're going to lose people who thought that everything was going to be so wonderful. Um, so I share with my team and um, they know they know what to expect. And then they also know what's expected of them. I think that's real important. Yeah, that communication is so important, isn't it? Yeah. And when we get busy and tired, it kind of falls to the wayside a little bit, doesn't it? So we have to be aware of that. Absolutely. You can't put your head in the sand. You have to see what's going on around you. Hard. I try to use the third person before I speak. Jennifer would not say this <laughs> to <Yeah>. myself. <laughs> and, um, using the third person, it, 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 actually, it actually works, you know, because first of all, it makes you take a minute so you're not reacting. Um, but it almost is as if as when you say it, your name, Jennifer, you know, like LeBron James would never do this. If it's LeBron James doesn't want to sign this contract right now, LeBron James is going to do what's right for him. We all think that that's funny, but it's actually a reframing that you're, you're taking yourself out. So you're out of the equation to feel that emotion that, you know, you have at that moment and it's putting it onto somebody else. And you're thinking for somebody else instead of just thinking about yourself right then and there. So I'll say Jennifer won't respond to this this way um, in my head, obviously not outside out verbally, because then people would think you were crazy. But um, that gives me a, a moment of pause. But it also um, reminds me if I am the narrator of my story, I would not respond in a certain, you know, in a certain way. So I have to take a breath. Yeah, I think that's great advice. And I, and while we're in this talking to yourself space, uh, self-talk is something that can either propel a woman forward or drag her down. So what does your self-talk look like these days, Jennifer? And, and is it different than it was 20 years ago? Oh, my gosh. It is, it is so different. Um, if I could go back in time, I think I would tell myself that um, things are happening in your life, but they're not happening to you. They're happening for you. So learn how to work with what's happening in your life and not be the complainer or, you know, feel like somebody's out to get you um, because then you're not walking through the other door of opportunity. Um, you're, you're sitting and being left behind. And um, I think that we can sometimes feel like a victim if things happen to your life that are outside of your control, um, whether that's a 9-11 um, or a pandemic, uh, in 2019, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And you can take that and be a victim. Obviously, these are things we cannot control. Um, or you can, again, reframe it that this is a target. And when you have somebody that's targeted, <laughs> you can become a hero and you can have you know, this, this hero's journey that you now feel empowered to get through something because you are, you are that hero. So it's that self-talk that this is not happening to me. This is happening for me. This is part of my journey. And let's see what I have to do to defeat this enemy who has targeted me, whatever it is, because we, as for myself, I am definitely a very driven person, but I also am a control freak. 
And, you know, the, the message I have to tell myself is this is not within your control. And not the flighty, well, it happened for a reason. I'm not that way either. I don't believe that everything happens for a reason. But life was not meant to be easy. We're born crying. There is a struggle. And this is just telling me I am doing it right. You know, it's a struggle from the moment you're born until the day you die. But how you handle that can be that that story that that you tell your grandchildren that other people say is inspiring. So for me, that hero's journey meant fighting, getting back up. My word for 2021 is arise. And that's from um, Abraham Lincoln, who said, I don't, you know, something paraphrasing it. I know you have fallen. I don't care that you've fallen. All I care about is how you will arise. And so it's always that next, what are we going to get up and do again? Um, And how are we going to do that? And what door can we go through? Because we can go through the door of blame. We can go through the door of being a victim, or we can go through the door of saying there's going to be another opportunity and I'm going to get through this and work through it. And that affirmation to myself has changed from goals of, for my business, you know, goals of making certain amount of money, goals of having, you know, children and where I live to actually having a goal to share with other women in my space, which is the travel space, the ability to rise and lead and not feel like a victim to everything, hurricanes, uh, diseases, wars, terrorism, because these things are all outside forces that can affect my business and my economy, my travel economy. And um, I've seen a lot of women just say, no more, give up. Um, And I've also seen other women say, what do we do? How do we do this? So we need the support of each other. And that's where my passion has really been in the past two years since I, you know, have been fighting with breast cancer because support among women, forget it. That is an army I would not want to tackle (laughs) because we are very giving and very strong when we are together. Yeah, and we underestimate the power, I think, it's so often for sure. So women struggle to brag about themselves and their accomplishments. Do you personally struggle with this, Jennifer? Yeah, I think we're taught modesty. I think we're taught humility. And I think we don't like to be the, you know, the person who's braggadocious. I struggle with it because I don't want to make others feel less. So I struggle with sharing, you know, like dropping bleh, every single thing, because to me, sometimes when you say it, it comes across as an insecurity about who you're talking with, you know, like it's one drop this one drop this. Well, I and I would rather just engage in conversation and let that person know the value of me rather than kind of bragging about it. There's other subtle ways, you know, my signature in my email has, you know, a couple of, you know, things that are so I don't have to brag about it. Um, You know, you have Facebook and LinkedIn, so you don't have to brag when you're in a conversation. I I do feel that men have no problem (laughs) walking in and saying, oh, I'm blah, blah, blah. And for me, I have to have more of a conversation with people before it actually comes out. I mean, you and I met and I don't think in the first hour of our talking, what I did, who I was or anything, and that came out right off the bat. That's not something that would naturally flow from me. And it's interesting about this bragging because you're exactly right. Men have no trouble doing it and women struggle with it. But what women miss is 
if they don't tell people, people won't know. It's, it's kind of like my mother used to say, now, don't you brag, honey, because just do and people will see it and they'll reward you. Well, guess what? That doesn't work out too well. But I agree with you, Jennifer, in that bragging comes across feeling better if you can weave it into a story, which does make everybody feel better, especially the other females in the room. So you own and operate a high-end travel agency, yet most travel agencies are owned by men. So does this competing boys network intimidate you or do you embrace it? Early on, I was so honored to be invited to places. So I was kind of like just in awe and I was, you know, be invited to sit at that table. That was the, the big deal. Um, in the North America, there are 120,000 travel agents and 84% of them are women, but only 14% of women are running travel agencies. So I, it became kind of like a quest for me to figure out what's going on. Why are there so many travel agents and why aren't they in the focus of owning their own operation? So what I discovered was that when you do have a woman who's kind of sold travel and moved up and created the business, she's actually far more valuable to the vendors, the airlines, the hoteliers, the tour companies, because she actually knows what's required to sell, to be face-to-face with that consumer. So um, at first I was kind of like, oh, this I, I feel so honored to where raising your voice and speaking and you start to see you actually have a leg up on it. And um, aligning with some other ladies as well, we now kind of have the ability when, uh, you know, there's an advisory board or there's a problem that resort brands come to us and say, what should we do? Which is very interesting in the sense from like 15 to 20 years ago where I was the only female in the room. But it's all about gauging the room as well. So I, I think that... Women just need to develop a little bit in my industry, uh, some of the back end business sense, because they definitely know the sales sense. And that's the convergence that I think we've been seeing for the past couple of years. And I think we'll see it moving on in my industry because a lot of companies in travel went under this year. And a very interesting stat is that many of them were run by men. The companies that are still thriving and around, they're run by women. And you have to ask yourself, why why did this, what happened? Why was this the case? A lot of men felt that right away when nobody was traveling for three months, we have to lay off people. And that was their instant. Like, this is the money. We got to lay off people. And women just didn't do that. We tried to come up with some creative solutions. So now as travel's beginning again, we actually have the sales team to come back and, you know, rebound because we had that close-knit, you know, relationship with our team. Or maybe it was just that we really care. You know, we really care more so um, about the team than maybe the money in our pocketbooks. So Jennifer, is there anything about your journey to greatness that we haven't covered that you'd like to share with other women? I'm very strong with not being a victim. That's like my biggest thing. Don't be a victim. Be your own hero. And I I think throughout life, we're going to have things that test us. And if you can say to yourself, I'm the hero of my life, 
what would the hero's journey do? That the hero's journey is, you know, the the thread of every great story from, you know, Greek odysseys to Disney stories to, you know, Grimm's fairy tales. There's always that hero. And you have that ability to be your own hero. You have the ability to take what life throws at you and create and find purpose from that. You don't have to take it and say, I'm a victim, I'm falling down. And you don't have to ask and plead for you know, everybody to feel sorry for you or to complain about it. You actually have the power to do something beyond what you, it might throw you off track. It threw me off track, uh, you know, going humming along, be, being a, you know, a leader in my industry to suddenly, wow, I've got to take better care of myself. I've got to focus more on my health. But now I actually feel so empowered that I rose from that, that I actually felt stronger, you know, go back in time to the, you know, the day I found out I had breast cancer, I would never believe that I could feel so empowered from such a a horrible disease. But I think it's the way we reframe our brain. Yeah. And I think that's a great, great perspective and great wisdom that you have had to work hard to learn for sure. Jennifer, it's been wonderful having you here. So appreciated you being so open with your journey and your wisdom to share with all the women listening. Thank you so much for having me. It's really been such a pleasure to talk with you and be a part of, of this group of you know women that you've been interviewing. Thank you. And Jennifer is another great example of how women are challenging the norm, making things happen, and demanding their own greatness. So join me next time on the World's Greatest Women Show as another powerful woman story unfolds. <music>